Please note, Mike had a little trouble with his sound this week, so if you're wondering why he sounds kind of muffled, a little strange, it's because, well, it's because Mike. Thank you. There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? We're closing out our series, Focus on Viola Davis. But before we get to this final movie, let's talk about the. Have any of you just stopped to consider the power and importance of this simple, definite article, the? It shapes our speech, it shapes our literature, and it can completely alter the quality of a movie. Take <laughs> Fast and Furious, a movie about cars and driving a lot. Now we have The Fast and The Furious, which is a nine-movie franchise about cars and driving a lot. Okay, not the best example. Now, take 2016's Suicide Squad and add the word to it so we have today's movie, 2021's the Suicide Squad. Both movies feature Viola Davis, both movies share some of the same characters, but one is an incoherent mess, and the other one is probably the grossest movie James Gunn has ever made, and that man used to work for Troma Pictures. Which is, which is which? Stick around and find out. I'm your super villain host, Max the Bumpy Killer Levine. Oh, and, no! And over there, a man who still refuses to let me implant a micro-explosive in his skull because he is not a team player, Mike the Echidna Loose. I refuse. <sighs> I don't no, want to go splody-splody. There is no I in death. Uh, no, but there will be. <laughs> That's the point. But before, <laughs> what point? But, but I don't know. My head hurts. Before we get to Mike's exploding head, we have our poll question. Poll question. Last week's question was, has there ever been a movie that made you want to get into show business in any role? What movie and what role? Shoe fitter. Yeah, did you want to act, direct, produce, work in craft services? <laughs> Key grip? Oh, the dream. What? The way you say it sounds so dirty. <laughs> Key grip. Ew, moist. <laughs> Chrissy Becker writes, As someone who did go into show business, my mom introduced me not only to Disney movie musicals, but also a lot of classics like The Sound of Music and The Wizard of Oz, and that inspired a lot of playing pretend on my part and inspired my mom to get me involved with theater. The theater. And by the way, she spells it T-R-E. The way you're supposed to. Nick Hoffman says, I walked out of Star Wars... Wow, you hated it that much? I don't think that's what he meant. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I walked out of Star Wars, first viewing, age 13, and knew right then, I want to do that. I wanted to make movies for people that made them feel as exhilarated as I was that day. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I bet a lot of people felt that way. Jamie Kleinert writes, I mean, Mr. Holland's opus made me want to compose, yeah, and yep. anything, everything with John Williams running the score makes me want to compose for film as well. 
But the red violin made me want to go into performance. For the record, I'm very happy that I came back to the education track. And if I had to pick a role from that one specifically, it would be the role of the violin. If you hadn't seen the vi red violin, I haven't, check it out. And that and Dangerous Beauty are two of my all-time favorite films. You haven't seen the red violin? I never have. There was this really interesting period in the... I want to say it was like right around 2000, 2001, where some lesser-known films, some foreign films, were making their way into mainstream theaters. And one of them was The Red Violin. One of them was Run, Lola, Run. Oh, um, okay. Films like that. And I actually did see The Red Violin. Um, hmm. I think Samuel Jackson's in it. Don't oh. quote me on that because I saw it when it came out. But yeah, it's actually a really cool film. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Adam Mark writes, Midnight in Paris... Knives Out, Six Degrees of Separation. There's an interesting trio. Yeah. These films made me want to be a writer. Okay, I get it. Those are very writer-heavy movies. And I mean, Midnight in Paris is largely about writing and writers. Mm. I love writers, but, but these films' construction, wit, playfulness, really made me want to try screenwriting. Mm. Oh, cool. Regan McStravick says, Not exactly an answer to your question. Well, then you're fired! <laughs> That's uh, my cousin, yep. Well, then he's fired from your family. <laughs> but uh, one of the early feature films I worked on, maybe the third or fourth, was Safety Not Guaranteed. I do vaguely remember that. I know I that. I, I remember the it. title, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The audience reaction to the ending of that film, especially at every screening at Sundance that year, was probably what finally cemented filmmaking as the career for me. Oh, that's nice. Wow. Yeah. Showed at Sundance. Dang. Yeah, thank you, person who's not my cousin or related to me in any way, <laughs> even yeah. though I just said he was. Speaking of someone else who's not related to you in any way, Valerie Coons writes, uh, <laughs> sorry, apparently she's a nun, I'm thinking Sister Valerie Coons, I'm not sure. Movies sister, are... <laughs> I have a sister. <laughs> Cut! No, James! He, uh, <laughs> right, sorry, sorry. Dick Dukem, he's a dick, <laughs> he's a duke. <laughs> Wrong, Sorry, gorgeous, that's a deeper. Wrong, go gorgeous voice. Um, <laughs> Val Coons writes, Movies aren't what got me into show business. Books were. Huh. However, Strictly Ballroom made me wish I could dance. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're thinking. What the heck were eight, year old ball or eight years of ballet classes good for? Wow, really? For yeah. Besides torturing you. I me. assume she means you, Mike. Yes. <laughs> they, they were good for screwing up my hips for the rest of my life and proving that I did not have talent in that area. Oh, dear. Yeah, I knew every fabric store in Lexington Center, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, so let me guess, if you see tool, you immediately break out in hives? Uh, it's still, it, I just think of it as a rash. That ah. <laughs> Richard Tatum says, two, the court jester and singing in the rain. Oh, mm. okay. Because he, he wanted to be a song and dance man. Oh. Which, for a brief and mostly self-described time, he was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Tyler Stewart says, hmm, it's a bit of an indirect answer, but it still works. When I get a billion dollars, I want to start a production company. There are too many stupid, stupid movies out there. There are stupid movies. <laughs> stupid, stupid. I've had enough out of you. Ow. <laughs> well, Tyler, we're plugging for you to get that billion dollars. We sure are. Because, yeah, there's a lot of stupid... Well, we'll get to that later. Yep. Oops. And from the Great White North, Vince, no, he writes to us, this, may be this might be pretty standard, but I saw King Kong and wanted to do special effects and animation. 
which I've done and for work over the years. Ray Harryhausen was an even larger source of inspiration, but he wasn't the first. I have the original book on special effects I bought and used to subscribe to Cinefix magazine to learn things to try with my Super 8 film camera. I don't think that's standard. What? That, that King Kong made it. I oh, think that's yeah. pretty unique. King Kong was huge for like Spielberg and Lucas, and that's like. We can't understand the impact that film had because we look at it now and it's like, oh, they mean the one with the toy gorilla in it? Because, yeah. you know, it didn't look like much to us, but ki especially kids who saw that, even if they weren't alive in 33 when it came out, that thing really. There's tons of people who got into uh, hmm. the movie business because of King Kong. Okay, well, you're in good company, Vince. Yeah, well. And for, yes, thank you all for your answers. They were very cool. They were. But, uh, Mike, what, uh, was there any movie that made you want to get into The Biz? I, I can't say specifically. Pretty much any science fiction film. I've always had an interest in special effects. Like Vince, I read Cinefantastique, Cinefx magazines. Um, I would buy... Uh, I think it even goes back to when I bought in like the early 70s a copy of um, The Making of Star Trek by Stephen Whitfield and had actual pictures of props and stuff and it's like oh I want to make stuff like that I want to make spaceship zoom and stuff and for a short while I kind of did sort of uh, luckily for everyone those films have not survived mm -hmm. um, I have also that been, you know of oh please <laughs> you have to have a super eight projector or any oh no regular rate projector to even watch them um, I also wanted at various times to get into the animation industry, um, which has to go along with my art. And uh, I've always done goofy voices, so I would love to be a voice actor. Uh, so lots of stuff like that. How about you, though? Honestly, no. There was one movie that made me absolutely not want to go into any form of the performing arts, and that was Fame. Because uh, those kids are going to live forever. Especially, especially that, that Coco. Coco. <laughs> yeah, no. So what, what about Fame? It looked like such a terrible life. Hmm. I mean, the things they had to go through and uh, the rejection and the frustration just made me go, mm, nope, not for me. Hmm. So that, that would be a no? That would be a no, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> but sort of fame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. much. Well, uh, I can only hope that uh, you consider coming back to a little part of show business and that is coming up with a poll question for next week which I isn't really show business you no know what, I'm not I, yes. but thinking about it though max we're kind of in show business well right now kind of yeah <laughs> so, well i can't uh, say that why? any i can't say there was any movie that made me go i want to start a podcast <laughs> no it was just me going want to start a podcast yeah, no actually he's saying it do you want to do a podcast <laughs> and max said Okay. <laughs> and the song, thankfully, was over. Yep. yep. But I, the poll I question... I to head it off. The new poll question is a little, more, a little simpler. What is your favorite cinematic car chase scene? You know, mm. is it you know, Popeye Doyle? And, uh, is it uh, uh, the Blues Brothers? Is it Chitty Steve Chitty McQueen, Bang Bang Steve and McQueen <laughs> Speed Racer. Yeah, what's your favorite? Favorite car chase. And we will tell you how to, how to send us your answer other than through the etheric waves of your mind at the end of the show. Oh, but it gets me to sleep at night. <laughs> but thank you, of course, for your other answers. Yes, um, those were great. Thank you. We always love your answers. But now, of course, Max, I am hoping, yeah. hoping, there's even a little bit of uh, trivia? Trivia. <laughs>
Wrestling of Facts. First, a little bit more on Ms. Viola Davis. Uh, not much. We've covered most of it, and we'll talk. I want to talk about that in a minute. Uh, she is, by the way, the first black actress to win the Triple Crown of Acting. Yay. Os Oscar, Emmy, and Tony. She is only the 25th thespian to do so. Normally, we don't like to comment on people's sexuality, but <laughs> she is a thespian. You don't um, know the meaning of that word. <laughs> I kind of do. Um, yeah, so yeah, Viola Davis is three quarters of the way to an EGOT. Yay. I, seeing as she doesn't sing, she may not get the Grammy, but Ms. Davis, if you're listening, they give those out for things like spoken word performances and, and uh, audio books, so get cracking. Dick Duckham. <laughs> uh, by the way, if anyone is wondering, Viola Davis is, in fact, her real name. She did not change it. Oh, cool. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. I and, did not know that. Yeah. She was not named after the musical instrument. I was disappointed to find that out. I see. Her very first movie, she had done some TV before, but her first film was The Substance of Fire in 1996. Oh. She played a nurse and was paid $518 for the job. I don't think she had any lines. Okay. That's basically scale. There isn't a lot of other trivia because Ms. Davis very selfishly has not done anything terribly stupid. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm really, Ms. Davis, that's just rude to us, the people who are trying to dig up. You could at least throw your phone at someone or, uh, uh, you know, step out of a car in an embarrassing way or punch a paparazzi. But no, you've got to be a consummate professional who lives her life sensibly. Yeah, how <sighs> selfish of you for yeah. not breaking the law. Yeah. <laughs> Making nope. our little podcast more interesting. <laughs> yes. She has a responsibility to us because I decided that. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> yes, How about the I'm, movie? I, I'm kidding, Ms. Davis. Please don't file a restraining order. Okay, the. Uh, <laughs> Would she need to? <laughs> I don't even know where she is, so probably Good. not. <laughs> uh, the, yes, now about the movie Suicide Squad. No, the Suicide, the Suicide Squad. Squad. The budget was the $185 million. <laughs> the global take was $167 million, oh, making dear. it the least successful of the DC Extended Universe films. To give you a contrast, the first non-The Suicide Squad, <laughs> or the, the Less Suicide Squad, <laughs> the budget was $175 million. It made three quarters of a billion dollars. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. James Gunn specifically filled the Suicide Squad with obscure and unknown villains. And boy, did he. But he felt that was more faithful to the squad of the comics. As he said, I wanted to stick with John Ostrander. He was the DC writer of the original Suicide Squad. There, his original vision of mostly second-rate antagonists. There's an Second? Yeah, mm. There's an innate <laughs> tragic element to supervillains who aren't even that good at being bad. <laughs> uh, someone asked James Gunn how he got Sylvester Stallone to voice the role of King Shark, aka Nanway. I did not know that. You was didn't him. You didn't know that was him. Yeah, I did it not. It's him. Apparently, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing. Gunn said to him, "I wrote this role for you in the Suicide Squad. It won't take too much of your time." Stallone replied, "Oh yeah." To which. <laughs> <laughs> that's my flawless Sylvester Stallone. Uh, which Gunn, to which Gunn said, "Yeah, it's kind of a." big, chubby, human-eating shark, to which Stallone said, anything for you, brother. 
Yep. They had worked together in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Sylvester Stallone was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? At the very end, he shows up as one of the original Ravagers. He's got like two lines. Ah, that's yeah. really all he should have. Oops! <laughs> well. Harley um, <laughs> Quinn kills one of her captors, then uses her bare feet to snatch the keys from his body before proceeding to use her feet to unlock the handcuffs above her head. Margot Robbie did that stunt herself. James Gunn praised Roby for executing the trick, confirming she had facilitated her own escape in the scene, no stunt double, but he was really disappointed because the way her costume falls over her face during the pivotal moments, it looks like it's a stunt person. Because yeah. that's a standard trick to uh, cover it up, but no, that was her, and that's a hell of a stunt. Okay. It's like Harry Houdini-level stuff. I mean, he could untie knots with his feet, but he also... You underlie the handcuffs of my father, the jailer. <laughs> As is, see our episode on Houdini. Uh, yeah. John Cena, who play, the former wrestler who plays the Peacemaker, describes Peacemaker as, quote, a douchebag Captain America. <laughs> he's, he's not just, wrong. He's not wrong. A uh, bit of a spoiler. The ultimate villain in this turns out to be Starro the Conqueror, who is... The first villain that was ever faced by the Justice League in the comic books. Yep. We'll talk about him later. Uh, Idris Elba was originally hired to replace Will Smith as Deadshot, but they later decided that Elba would play the new character, Bloodsport, to allow Smith to return in the future. I don't uh, think that's going to happen. Yeah, he's a villain. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> now, there's a character in here called the Weasel. <laughs> Which I kept, every t I kept waiting for it. I am Weasel! But I would rather have said that, but yes, there is a Weasel. James Gunn that based the, the Weasel's portrayal, and now that I know this, I cannot see him any other way. He based him on Berkeley Breathed's Bill the Cat oh dear from God. Bloom <laughs> County. A character who is barely more than an animal, has no clue what is happening around him. And it is. He's Bill the Cat. I, I keep waiting for him to go, ah, gag, barf. That's the biggest quote from Bill the Cat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sean Gunn, Jim's brother, who he, James's uh -oh. brother, who he tends to put in things, plays double duty in this movie. He was the body double or the live-action human Standard. version of the weasel. Okay. And in Belle Reeve, he has, like, two lines as the... Uh, they describe him as the notorious... DC villain, Calendar Man, who appears very briefly to taunt Polka Dot Man. Uh, Probably because, like, well, we need a villain with a dumber name than Polka Dot Man. Hey, we'll use Calendar Man. Does whatever a calendar can. Yep. Abner Krill, uh, the Polka Dot Man, is an experiment gone wrong in a suit covered with polka dots, James Gunn described as the dumbest DC character of all time. And Is hopefully really worse than Egg Foo Young? Hmm. <laughs> it's just Egg Foo. Egg Foo, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, well, that, he has the added uh, bonus of being incredibly offensive. Ah. Yeah. He hoped to turn him into a tragic character for the film. <laughs> Unknown to Gunn, David Dast Malchian, who plays Polka Dot Man, has a condition called vitiligo, which causes skin to be blotchy. Oh dear. And he in fact felt a real personal connection to the character because he they used to call him polka dots as a kid. Oh. Yeah, no, that's... he actually he found it very kind of cathartic. Oh, good, because it sounds kind of sad. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a cameo from the Suicide Squad writer, John Ostrander. He plays Dr. Fitzgibbon in the film, who I'm sure we uh, all remember. Yes. Yes. He was the doctor whose name was Fitzgibbon. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> Many of the film's actors, including Margot Robbie and Idris Elba, were drawn to the film once James Gunn was attached to direct. John Cena accepted without even letting Gunn finish to explaining what kind of a project he was in. Pete Davidson, who plays Blackguard, uh, meanwhile agreed as soon as he learned he was being asked to play a sad sack D-list villain with the civilian name, and this is true, Dick Hertz. <laughs> H-E-R-T-Z. That is, in fact, Blackguard's secret identity. Yeah. Yeah, we thought TDK had a problem. Oh, boy. Uh, so the director of the 2016 Suicide Squad without the the, David Ayer, actually wished, wished James Gunn all the best for directing the sequel. He Ayer felt really unsatisfied with the first film, as he should, as Warner Brothers ordered <laughs> 10-week reshoots and changed most of the film from Ayer's original vision. Huh. Uh, when a little uh, more sort of comic book trivia... When Ratcatcher 2 is first introduced, there's a female inmate in the prison who has multicolored shapes on her skin. That, villain, that is the villain Kaleidoscope, uh, who first appeared in Superboy Volume 2, number 36, as a fan-submitted character for the Dial H for Hero title. Uh. That's, how's that for digging deep? Ah. Two fans who submitted the character, Chris and Nancy May Lawton, are included in a special thanks during the credits of this movie. That's and nice. Did you spot who was playing the original Ratcatcher, uh, Ratcatcher 2's father? Not until he talked and they did yes. a closer-up version, but is that in fact Taika Waititi? That is Taika Waititi, yep. Uh, this was very critical to the plot. I'm sorry they left this out. The creatures in the aquarium tank that later attacked King Shark are apparently an alien life form called the Clyrax. Oh! Yeah. Yeah, I have one of those every time I have... Oh, anyway, we should move on. Yes, you should that. not have unprotected sex, or you might end up with Clyrax. Um, <laughs> I use the, it to clean my windows. <laughs> <laughs> the brief eight-minute flashback scene detailing the events of half the squad on the top floor of Jotunheim before the confrontation between Bloodsport and Peacemaker is, in fact, exactly eight minutes long. I timed it. Ah. There are two <laughs> other odd cameos in this movie. Really? One, this one is really obscure. Lloyd Kaufman is, just for a second, you see him as a patron in the bar that the, uh, the squad goes to. Kaufman worked with James Gunn at Troma Entertainment, who on, he and uh, Kaufman worked on such films as The Toxic Avengers. Ah. Uh, Avengers, singular. Yeah. The other, comp, the other cameo is, and this is not even blink if you'll miss it, it's like, unless you know it, it you won't see Palm Clementif is oh. one of the dancing girls at the bar. She plays Mantis in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and in uh, Avengers Endgame. I have uh, Mantis in my pantis. <laughs> the, the club, by the way, that they go to is La Gatita Amabile, which means yeah, the kind kitty. <laughs> yep. Uh, there is a ton of other stuff, mostly comic book nerdy stuff, but uh, I think that'll cover us for now. Mm. Now, now we have a story. We have the plot. Amanda Waller, Viola Davis, the leader of a nameless government agency, has the brilliant idea of creating a special black ops team made up entirely of the worst of the worst, the worst supervillains the DC universe has to offer. 
And by worst, I mean most of them aren't very good at it. We're not talking Lex Luthor or the Joker or Black Manta here. We're talking Mongal, the Weasel, and Javelin. The idea? No one is going to miss these guys if they disappear. Each one has a remote detonatable bomb implanted in their skulls. If they disobey Waller or go off mission, she pushes a button and they go all scanners. If they succeed in the mission, they get 10 years off their prison sentences. What's the mission? Infiltrate the very real, not at all made up country of Corto Maltese. Find out what evil project is being worked on at the Jotunheim facility. Also find out why a South American country is using Nordic code names. And make it blow up real good! Of course, part of the team is just there as a distraction. Well, good guy, Colonel Rick Flagg. Yes, Colonel Flagg, like on MASH. <laughs> no, not like on MASH. <laughs> leads his crack team of Bloodsport, King Shark, Ratcatcher 2, Peacemaker, the Polka Dot Man, and Harley Quinn to the heart of Corto Maltese to find Doctor Who, sorry, the Thinker, <laughs> played by Peter Capaldi, who was Doctor Who, who can get them into Project Jotunheim. But what they find there is a bit bigger than they expected. Mm. That's it. The film. Yeah, that, um, you know, I, I, for some reason I didn't notice the director, um, James Gunn's name with this oh. film. And I should have realized why this felt familiar. I loved Project Runway. He was so good in that. Uh, that <laughs> he would tell people that, you know, you need to, to, to make uh, it no, work. No, and... no, wrong, wrong James Gunn, I'm afraid. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's not the same guy? Nope, nope. I mean, I know his name was Tim Gunn, and that I just assume he changed it. <laughs> nope, this no? is James. James uh, Gunn. So yep. the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy. That's which... the guy this feels not entirely unlike yeah, and better. has some of the same actors. Yes, in fact, in. if you, the, we start, we open up with uh, Savant in, uh, in prison. You, you recognize Savant? Oh, he's Yandu. Yes, he is. He's Michael Yandu Rooker. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I refer to him as a, a guy in a yellow wig <laughs> throwing a ball, killing a bird. Yep, yep. Which sets to the, the tune of the Folsom Prison Blues. Which, fine. I mean, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> oh, jail. We need a jail song. How about Folsom Prison Blues? Great. I... Honestly, that's, apart from ju that and Just a Gigolo, those are the only songs in the movie I recognized. Oh, no, I recognized another one, and I was like, really? You're going to do My Friends Who Died? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I get it, but really? I mean, that hammer's pretty big already. You're just you're going to swing that now. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we start with this guy in a yellow wig. His name's Savant, for reasons we don't really know. Or ever he's really out. good at stuff. Ah, yeah. Like what? Well, throwing a ball. Well, he's he's a martial artist and uh, multilingual, okay. and yeah. Most of the people in this movie, most of these so-called supervillains, do not have superpowers. No. I mean, King Shark. He's you know super strong and is almost impossible to kill. And, uh, <laughs> he has all the intelligence of a Sylvester Stallone character. Yep, yep. I can say uh, this is a spoiler. He's my favorite. <laughs> he is so cute. I mean, I don't know how you make an anthropomorphic shark cute. He wasn't trying to. Gunn was saying, "I don't want this to be another baby Groot." No, and it's not. Be not least of which because of some of the things he does. But we'll yes. get to that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But uh, the ones, yeah, there's him, the polka dot man, who does not have superpowers in the comic book. He actually has the polka dots on his costume are weapons. He pulls them off and throws them. No, this is an interdimensional oh. virus, and he can zap people with them. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, That's fine. Rat catcher's, yeah. I guess, a tech villain. She can control rats. She has a rat rod. Rat, a wand of rat summoning. <laughs> the rat was cute. The I'll rat was this. adorable. Sebastian yeah, was. is very cute. Yeah. Um, um, TDK, the detachable kid, <laughs> who, by the way, did you recognize him? I did not. Okay, the actor is Nathan Fillion, who is Oh! From, yeah. Okay. You can't tell he's wearing a helmet the whole time. Yeah. The character, I am so embarrassed I know this. You should is, be. He is from the Legion of Superheroes. Is he? he? He's from one of the little bits they used to do when they would have people audition for the Legion with the stupidest superpowers you could think of. Oh, like Bouncing Boy. And, no, no, Bouncing uh, Boy was a member, but like... Uh, I, but in, he does have a stupid power. He does, but like Infectious Lass, who can make people <laughs> sick. <laughs> Wasn't there Cement Boy or something? It was Stone Boy. He could turn into stone and could... He basically then couldn't move. He could turn himself into a statue. He ended up in the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Stop making me remember these things. But (laughs) the detachable kid could pull off his own arm and hit people with it. And somehow they could fly. Yeah, and the fun part is they're not any stronger than normal arms. Yeah. He just sends them across a battlefield and they sort of slap people. Yeah, and they also, if you think about it, they have literally nothing to push against, so yeah. they don't, their mass yeah. counts for nothing, so yeah. that's the least of the issues I have with the that's science yeah. of this film. <laughs> oh, there's no science here. No, and of course, we, so we're introduced to all of these characters. Yep. All of these characters, and they go off on their little black ops thing. The only thing we know that Savant can do is bitch about his teammates and kill birds with rubber balls. That's all we know, but supposedly he's the experienced one. He's the team leader or whatever. Yeah. And we get to this thing, and, you know, spoiler. Hey, if you haven't seen this, there might be some spoilers. Oh, there's going to be a lot of them. Um, his team, by, one by one, gets killed and makes you honestly wonder, well, where's this film going? Yeah, the entire, almost the entire team, except for Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg, are wiped out. Right. And then and there's a little thing that goes, oh! We forgot to tell you, Yeah, here's this other team. Yes, they were basically Team A, and then there's Team B. Team A was a distraction. Right. Basically, Amanda Waller sacrificed all these people, maybe intentionally, to draw off the... And this fits her character. Yeah. Because the wall is a really nasty person. She just is absolutely the essence of the end, justify the means. And speaking of Viola Davis, she really brings a lot to that character. Physically, she's nothing like the character in the comic book. Amanda Waller is, they call her the wall because she's built like one. She's this big, powerfully built, wide woman. I think you'll agree with me. She doesn't need it. Nope. (laughs) She makes up for it entirely in her presence and and just force of personality. She barely has makeup on. Like, this is the least made-up role we have seen her yet. And, (laughs) like, if Viola Davis did not want to be and a very successful actor and what apparently a very nice human being she'd make a great high school teacher because she you would oh, your boy. homework would be on time you would be and, sitting up straight no one would miss a day of class no one would be late she i yeah even in this and it's not a huge part and about halfway through the film most of her role is over there is, however, one scene. Um, Idris Elba's in this. Idris Elba, I, there's almost no time. I don't love it, Idris Elba, but able was I before I saw Idris. <laughs> but um, there is, huh? I'm going to say, arguably the best scene in the film is just between Idris Elba and Viola Davis huh. and their two characters. 
and they're going at it, and he's being forced. So his character, I don't remember, his power is he, he's, he's bullseye. Uh, anything's a weapon, and he's really good at it, whatever. Yeah. And he has a daughter who is making motions like she's going to follow his life into crime, which he doesn't want, although he also has made it very clear that he didn't want a daughter either. Mm-hmm. And she's in jail visiting him, telling him what's going on. I think it's pretty obvious that she's not there for any other reason other to try to get some sort of recognition or some sort well, of Well, she's there attention. because she says why she's there, and it's probably true, is that uh, she's got, she was caught, she was arrested for stealing, yeah. And Amanda Waller said, uh, if your father does this for me, I can put in a word for you. Because otherwise, Amanda Waller's going to have her sent to a maximum security prison. This girl is 16. Right. And as she says, our prison is the highest mortality rate in the country. He's yeah, because she keeps sending them out to go do stupid missions that don't Well, work. there is that. But <laughs> yeah, she's basically, this, is, this gives you an insight into the character pretty solidly. She's telling yeah. Bloodsport, either you do this or your daughter's going to be killed. But there is this great scene between the two of them because he's he's written off his daughter partially because he knows what a bad influence he is on her. He even tells her this. is like, look, do not follow me. Didn't I say don't talk to me? I have nothing good to give you. Yeah. And the thing is, is that it shows just enough of this character's good side, one of the only ones who has one in this film, that we actually do care about him because he's like, look, I'm terrible. I can't help you. If I touch it, it's going to turn to crap. Don't. And there's this great scene, the only great scene, oh, and it's between agree. Idris Elba and Viola Davis, where he is playing his character to the limit, and she is playing her character to the limit. And it is an unstoppable object and an immovable object about to come together. Mm-hmm. And one of them has to give, and eventually, of course, it's Idris Elba, or we won't have any film. Yep. Um, but And his part is is large, but it's not... I guess he's ostensibly the lead. It's he's one say. of the main. He's one of the main focuses. The show. I think it, it does a nice job with a sort of ensemble uh, uh, series, and he does have a. He does eventually. We see more of his good side. Ratcatcher too, who is, she's another one of the sympathetic characters. You know, she's first off. She's not a professional murderer like most of them. No. Uh, she's a thief, and yeah. she stole out of necessity. Been you know because her father was a junkie who OD'd after teaching her how to control rats like you do, <laughs> like you do. How many times have you heard that story? But uh, he develops a tale this, as old as rats. You know he obviously sort of imprint, sort of uh, sees her as a surrogate daughter in this movie. Yeah, and um, she's and actually she, I think she has a part. Yeah, I think she's. I I like Ratcatcher. I think she's a. Uh, I wish we'd found a little bit more about her, but. Uh, I think she's very sympathetic. Uh, there's not much there. That's not her fault. No, they don't give her a lot to what... do. No, they really don't. Yep. Then there's Polka Dot um, Man, who is, as Peacemaker calls him, Norman Bates, and he, he does, he has kind of a mother thing, because his mother turned him into this creature. Right, she was some sort of scientist, mad that's, scientist, I That's right, it's at Star Labs, TM. Get it, yeah. That'll show, um, up, that'll show up in every DC comic. I will have to say um, that... His background, his his thing about seeing his mother and everything led to, for me, the funniest scene in the film. At the end, we'll, we'll get to that, but yeah. the star creature is yeah, a yeah. giant... It's a kaiju. Let's, let's yeah, it is. It's, it's a, a kaiju. kaiju. Someone it's, even it's said out, that. 
stomping on buildings the way Godzilla does and all yeah. that. And at one point, they're like, we, they need to, uh, Idris Elba's character needs to motivate the polka dot man. So he says, you know what that is? That's your mother. And there's been this actor who's been playing his mother throughout the film and in the various guises of the various things mm -hmm. he's fighting. But this, they make his mother into the kaiju. Yeah. I lost it. That was It's funny. hilarious. She's like 200 feet tall. Yeah. And I just even like the way Idris Elba does it. Abna, you know who that is? That's your mom! <laughs> and he looks up and sees her. That's when he attacks, yeah. And it's this housewife yep. from somewhere, from Brooklyn or whatever, just yeah, she's, stopping on She's not <laughs> menacing. She's just sort no. of blubby looking. Yeah. It, it's, it's brilliant. The way they handle, the way she shows up, like he at one point sees the entire squad, each one as a version of his mother. Yes, and it's, that was funny. I yeah. thought that was actually funny. Uh, and, we've got John Cena, I gotta say, surprised me. I yeah. mean, he's a wrestler, and we know that sometimes wrestlers can be good, and sometimes wrestlers can be bad. I totally mm -hmm. bought him as yeah. uh, Captain What's-His-Name. Peacemaker. Uh, Peacemaker. Yeah, he's actually, he pulls it off really well. Apparently, James Gunn said he was a really good improvisational actor, too. A lot of his dialogue, he improvised. And he, his description of his character is perfect. He is a douchebag Captain America. Yeah, That's exactly like, what he is. Yep, I, I treasure liberty. I love liberty so much I will kill any man, woman, or child <laughs> to maintain it. But, yeah. Okay. And he, his yeah. power is that he can make anything a weapon, and he's really oh. good at it. Yeah, he, no, they even say Bloodsport. It's like after Waller's going, yeah, everyone has been chosen for your unique abilities. You know, Bloodsport, you know, you're a... Uh, expert marksman in, in your hands, anything's a lethal weapon. This is Peacemaker. He's an expert marksman. Anything in his hands is a lethal weapon. So, yeah. are you kidding me? That's what you just said I did. Yeah, I'm like you, but I'm, but better. Yeah, well, we found out that that's not the truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to wonder, too. I So, again, spoiler. There's a few spoilers in this. Um, eventually, there is a confrontation, and Peacemaker gets shot in the throat. Yeah. And then at the end of the film... There's a little bit of thing, and it's like, I'm amazed his heart was still beating. Good thing that, i.e., because we're going to be making a series with him. Yes. Uh, I wonder if that was the, originally the idea, or they're just like, you know what, this this Cena guy, there might be something here, because it felt very no, much I, like, oh, yes, no he idea. was shot in the throat, but it took us hours to get there, but he was still alive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know. He should not have survived, because he's not a superhuman. No. He's just, no. yeah, you get shot in the neck. I mean, in the middle of the neck like that, yeah, you die. Yeah. And yeah. you die fast, but mm, whatever. Fast yeah, yeah. No, there, there was. There was a Peacemaker series, which, by the way, is pretty good. Oh, well, that's. It has. Uh, he's in it, and two of the. Well, Viola Davis has a couple of cameos. The other two people that show up are the guy who plays Bob uh, John Economos, the big guy with the beard who worked in the uh, command center. Sure. He was also. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was also, by the way, the body double for King Shark, as he's six foot. <laughs> he's six foot seven. Okay. And. Uh, uh, the the other one, oh, the, the, woman, the blonde woman, uh, the character is Amelia Harcourt, played by Jennifer Holland. They both show up in the show. Okay. So we know. Uh, now, what there is a sequence, there is a point in this movie where suddenly the plot just turns 90 degrees. Yes. Then we get, we follow Harley Quinn. And I didn't see it coming. I will say this. This was very well played. Did not see it coming. What did you think of that sequence? It was a nice surprise. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Nice isn't the right word. Um, <laughs> Fun? Entertaining? It was nice because I did not expect this sort of thing, and I did not expect it 
So Harley Quinn, suddenly it's like, oh, we're not doing enough Harley Quinn. We need to do that. Because inexplicably, she is taken out of uh, Malto, uh, Malto, Quarter Maltesian jail, dressed up and brought to a party. Yeah. With the El Presidente of Cordo. By the way, Cordo Maltese originally was used yeah. as a country in the original Batman film in 89. It's a comic. It is a graphic yeah. novel from Europe. It was a very well-respected one, which is why they used it as a name, because it sounds like a country. Oh, okay. I think it's actually the main character's name. But It also shows um, up again in Batman the Dark Knight Returns, the comic book. Yeah. yeah. No, Cordo Maltese is a... It, it's D, DC has a, as a small number... Of fictional countries like Corto Maltese, generic South American country, Quirac, generic Middle Eastern country, Bialia, yeah. So she gets pulled into a red dress and made up nice, and she's being wooed by the rather handsome and, um, shall we say, reasonably well-built El Presidente, (laughs) uh, Senior Sleazebag, I don't remember his name. Uh, That was Presidente Luna. And, uh, yes. And uh, they... um, Let's see how to put this. They do it. <laughs> go, go at it like bunnies, yes. And afterwards, he's basically telling her how wonderful she is and what's what's going on. And she's suddenly like, oh, you said that thing. Blam! And she kills <laughs> And I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be a joke. It's going to be a joke gun. Oh, no, he's bleeding all over the floor. Well, you got to remember what he's talking about. He's saying right. there's this tremendous power in Project Jotunheim, and I'm going to, you know, the... The uh, former administration used to murder their enemies and their families, and I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. And she's like, "Yeah, no." And she explains that I think it's a very Harley Quinn thing to do. Partly, it is very, you know, she has impulse control issues. It's very yeah. random, but she says, "I, ha- I tend to go pick really bad guys. I tend to have terrible taste in men." And I told myself, if I ever was with a guy and I saw a red flag like. A real red flag. I was going to kill him. And, and she um, does. Killing people's families, yeah, that's a red flag. The sad thing is, she there's two, ostensibly two villains, because we have to have somebody take over or we don't have any picture. And the other one is a very cardboard, yeah, very, very stereotypical, you know, junta general with so, so many stars on <laughs> his shoulders that they don't really fit. Yeah, he's got, I, according to that, I think he's about an eight-star general. Yeah. And he honestly isn't very interesting. No. The guy who was the president, I actually thought had potential, but they just killed him. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I don't think it was the wrong decision, and I do like it when a film honestly surprises me. Not with something that's like, you weren't expecting this. No, I wasn't expecting that because it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It was something that just really made me stop and go, what? What just happened? We're like halfway through this thing. Really? Huh. And I... I think as best as it can, it does work. Um, I like so her escape sequence when she when she's leaving and basically she's killing everyone, and then we get what is what they called Harley Vision, where yeah. instead of blood, she's seeing flowers bursting out of people's wounds, and yeah. it is both disturbing and kind of cute. Yeah, the one thing I'll have to say about that is that she, basically the new El Presidente general, um, as played by Gilligan, um, <laughs> leaves the room and then she escapes. So she's really only about 100 feet behind him. Mm. And she kills dozens of soldiers <laughs> with really no problem at all. If she had gone that extra 100 feet, we could have ended the film earlier. I'm yeah, just saying. Because... Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. It does plan. lead to a scene I really like, which the rest of them have said, okay, we don't leave our people behind. We're going to go rescue Harley. They come up with this plan. They start yeah. to break into the building. You know, they're climbing up the side, and she just shows up and goes, hi, what are you guys doing? Like, we're coming to rescue um, you. We're saving you. Uh, you had a really good plan. And she's really touched. Did you, I could go back in, and you could do it anyway. Yeah. It's like, no, the moment's kind of passed. I like yeah. the sequence where she's hugging Flag, which freaks him the hell out. Because yeah. he doesn't think they have that kind of relationship. And he's awkwardly patting her on the back with his gun. Yeah, which she seems to like. Yeah. I, I'm going to be unpopular for this. I actually think the character of Harvey, Harley Quinn's a little overplayed. Um, it's like, look, she's crazy! See how crazy she is? Yeah, I get it. That's okay. a, that describes an awful lot of supervillains. And that's the problem, is sometimes you can pull it off and sometimes you can't. For me, she doesn't tread the line too far, and I honestly don't think it's Margot Robbie. I think it's obvious. Or Robbie? Is it Robbie? Or I think it's Robbie. Okay, I don't think it's Margot Robbie. Um, I honestly think that it's James Gunn pushing things a little too far. And it's, to be fair, she's one of the least things that he pushes too far. But uh, I gotta say, I like her portrayal in this way better than the first Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah. Which I have to say, if you're like me and you didn't see the first film, you're fine. Yeah, you really are. You haven't missed anything. I just can't, <laughs> I can't tell if that's a strength or not. Uh, no, you don't have to see this whole other film that made three quarters of a billion dollars. You can just watch this one. And according to Max, you're better off doing that because the first one, even with its money, was not um, good. Um, but yeah, you, you the characters that you don't know are basically everybody. So everyone's introduced. Yeah. You don't need it. Um, I want to say, so the, the beginning of the film, we're going to go back to this. Um, things that, that, that didn't really did not make sense for me. Uh, so the A-team, such da, as it da, is. Da, da, da. <laughs> da, da, dead. Uh, they get killed. <laughs> and we see the B-team. And the B-team is like, oh, that's cool. They're making all that noise over there. No one's going to notice us showing up. And then they make a camp where they light a fire and there's gunshots and noise and nobody seems to notice they're there. Yeah. But that's okay because that will serve them in good stead because they're going to go in and try and find the, the two people who are captured, which are Harley Quinn and Curl Colonel Flag. I'm sorry, Colonel yeah. Flag. Just Rick Flag. The wind just broke yeah. his leg. <laughs> um, and they get to this camp of bad guys. And they take them out one by one, and I'm guessing that these bad guys are made up by a local school for the deaf. Well, these guys are rebels. They aren't professional military. But they don't hear anything. Yeah, they don't. Well, they're trying very hard to be quiet. They aren't using guns. They're using silent weapons. They're doing it terribly. Yeah. They're loud. They're obvious. And it's literally like as soon as these are supposedly rebels on the run, blah, 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 freedom fighters, whatever. And when like somebody opens a door... The first thing that the freedom fighter does is, huh? And yeah. that's the last thing the freedom fighter does. And they get to this this tent, and there's Colonel Flag shirtless, suggesting perhaps that he and the leader of the freedom fighters, whose name I don't remember, well, and don't he, care. He has uh, he has a torso wound. Yeah, I know, but it Bandage. also suggests that yeah. you know maybe. Hey, you guys. You know. Anyway, they've made friends. Yeah, he was actually rescued, not captured. And yeah. they've just wiped out her entire force. And it's, I, I like that moment because they're all like, uh, um, no, didn't see anybody out there. And there's this whole thing of, well, these guys are killers. And this is probably the first time they've actually sort of felt bad about killing anybody. Yeah, it didn't last very long. 
Yeah. We'll get back to that. Um, but she is like, well, that's annoying. Oh, well, let's keep going. She doesn't really do much about the fact that her yeah, entire she, force, some her, of them are probably friends. It's her like, reaction's oh, a little unrealistic, that's true, but they want to keep the plot moving. Do they? Yeah, they do. And the plot um, does move along pretty well. I disagree. Oh, um, okay. I, I, there's this one point where I, I just, one of my note was the movie doesn't seem to go anywhere for a really long time. Um, I was watching this with my partner, and this stuff is going on, and stuff is going on. I look up, and it's like, oh, dear God, there's still an hour to go. Um, it, I, they spend a lot of time not actually progressing anywhere, just killing people and doing f other funny things. Because death is funny. Remember, death is funny. Um, yeah. We also uh, could uh, retitle this film Daddy Issues, the motion picture! Because there's a lot of that going on. Although we can include mommy issues with the polka dot. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I really do like when his mother shows up. Because <laughs> she's really funny. She doesn't yeah. say anything. She just, like, one point, she's in all the costumes. She's got a beard in one case. And it's just, she's yeah. all the superheroes. But they don't, it's not like in John Malkovich, or being John Malkovich, where they just put his head on things. No. No, it's her in the costume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And even built up, like when she, King Shark turns into her in Abner's head, and there she is, but she's, you know, seven feet tall and yeah. eight feet wide. Yeah. Um, speaking of costumes, uh, I think this film will put this to rest. I hope you agree with me on this. Uh, in the opening part of the film, we see the, the A squad um, in their super villain costumes, and Javelin in particular proves. You can't take a costume from a comic book and just replicate yeah, it in a movie. It yeah. does not work. Really does not. <laughs> I, and now I think they went out of their way with uh, the A team because they are, they look much sillier yeah. than the B team. And they do look silly. They do look authentic. I mean, I'll give them that. They really tried to recreate the comic book. But as Mike says, that doesn't work. You can't no. recreate a two-dimensional comic book character costume on a, in the screen and not, if you do it exactly, it's going to look dumb. Yeah, because nothing says shoot me first like a sky blue and yellow jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind a gold-plated javelin. Yeah, or, I mean, even to some extent, Peacemakers, what did they call, they made fun of his, what did they call the thing on his, his helmet? Um, oh, the uh, toilet seat. Toilet seat, Which yeah, is even... chrome-plated, and he's wearing bright red, white, and blue. He's, yeah. you could see him from space. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, by the, the javelin, by the way, is played by the German comedian Flula Borg, who is, I think, really underused in this. What else would you use him for? He can be pretty <laughs> funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he dies fairly quickly, and yeah. quite honestly, although his his uh, javelin the lives javelin on. lives on. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of like Peter Capaldi's The Thinker. Oh, you mean uh, the Angel Islington? <laughs> yes, the Angel Islington or Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, he's obviously having a good time. Oh, he's, he is having a blast. He's like, I'm walking around with basically metal cylinders glued to my bald wig, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just chew on any scenery they offer me. I'm smart because my costume said so. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and he's been the villain that's... Uh, the, uh, he's, sadly, we... I, we he doesn't get used that much, all things no. considered. But he is really, as it turns out, the villain. He's a or, real... Or, or, or is the United States, because it's yeah. hard to tell. Yeah, but, that, that's part of the twist. You know, he, he gets them and he says, yes, I'm working on the project. That's what he's been doing for 30 years. He's been yeah. working with this Project Starfish. Yeah. They get them into, into Jotunheim 
through some of the worst security I've ever seen. I don't care if this is supposed to be, I'm sorry about the term, a banana republic. Girl Scouts would have spotted them. Oh, let's face it. The clothing store, Banana Republic, has better security yeah, than yeah. does this entire island. Yes, yeah, it's pretty sad. So they get in yeah. and it turns out Project Starfish is uh, an American space shuttle captured or whatever found Starro the Conqueror, who is a gigantic, well, at the, at the time small, but becomes a gigantic floating starfish. Yeah. Starro has been in the DC Universe forever. Yep. And apart from being really dopey looking, he's basically a ripoff of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He releases these little starfish, little clones of himself that stick to you people's heads. And in, a, in this, they say, and this is a lot darker, the person dies and yeah. they become part of the Starro Borg Collective. <laughs> Resistance uh, is useless! <laughs> In the, in the comic book, if you peel the star off, the person's usually okay. Ah. Uh, but, uh... Yeah, yeah I think it's and, like the first Justice League um, cover is a giant star when they're fighting it. And yeah. that was like a very key issue of... Yep, that was um, the beginning of, the, of the Justice League. And it turns out they've had him captured and they've been using his little clones and attaching them to people and using it to, like, execute political rivals and uh, just experimenting, trying to figure out okay, I'm not entirely sure what they're trying to figure out from all this or what they're learning from all this, but right. it's all been funded by the U.S. government. Right. Despite and the I... fact that uh, Jotunheim, this is by the way why we, we find out why it has a Germanic name, yeah. was founded by fleeing Nazis after World War II. Because fleeing Nazis is funny. Yeah. No, but they're yeah. good, convenient bad guys. And this, yeah. you know, everyone's horrified by this and they want to and... They've basically, instead of um, Starro being more or less in charge of anything, he's been caged for 30 years and yeah. he's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very, very pissed. Yes. And, and he of course, gets out. he gets out and he goes full kaiju on the city. Both a kaiju and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's kind of like Cloverfield, where you had the big monster and it had a lot of little monsters. Yeah. All being said, though, they don't really do much. They kind of attack uh, Idris Elba, who Bloodsport, whatever his name is, uh, and they attack Ratcatcher, and and a couple of them, get, you know, a bunch of them get shot, but they don't really do much yeah. except as we find out later. Oh, when Hammer die, Anvil die. Yeah. Uh, speaking of lame <laughs> DC villains. Yeah. Um, Wait, and so that was those were Marvel villains, but yeah. Was it whatever? Yeah. Um, when they eventually, and in a scene. That honestly, I kept waiting to happen because Margot Robbie, uh, her her Charlie Quinn, has been holding this javelin, and what is in the center of Star Star A gigantic eyeball, and you are waiting for like thirty minutes yeah. for Tab A to be shoved into slot B. Um, when that finally happens, and the rats jump in. Yeah, that that's the other thing. Rat Catcher is kind of saves the day by summoning all the rats of the city. By the way. This is not mentioned in the soundtrack, but the song that is playing, the instrumental part that is playing, is by a guy named John Murphy, and the music is called Ratism. Ah. Yeah. She calls all the rats of the city, and they, they overwhelm the Starro clones, and they climb up Starro, and they go in through the burst eye that Harley Quinn's ruptured, and they eat the thing from the inside. It's yeah. really gross. 
Yeah. Which is really strange because the way they shoot it when Harley is inside the eyeball is actually very pretty. It's all kind of soft colors and pastels, and she's floating around and with all the rats swimming by her. It's a very jarring sequence. It is not pretty. <laughs> Strangely, though, even though she has leapt through with the javelin into the inner part of the eyeball, none of the fluid leaks out. Don't yeah. know how that works. but Yeah, whatever. apparently the aqueous humor in the eye of this starfish thing is very thick. I don't know. Yeah, but whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah. we are uh, getting towards that yep. time. We should probably wrap this up. Yep. The finish. So, Max, you yeah. said you did see the first film. I did. Now, when it came out, did, did. you see this when it came out? I, I don't... I, I saw it the year it came out, but I know I saw it... As, this came out during COVID, so uh, I saw it uh, on streaming. I can't remember mm. if it was released in the theaters first, or if it just... I, it must have been, because it was kind of disappointing. Oh, and it's all up for all those Oscars. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> not so much. Hey, the uh, first is, one was... The first one was up for Best Makeup for Killer Croc. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what did one, you think of this one? Uh, I, I think we're going to have a disagreement here. I really like this. I, I really like James Gunn in general, and this is very James... This is... Apparently, he was given a lot more creative freedom on this movie than he was with any of the Marvel movies. Mm. And I think the humor works. I think there are some massive plot holes. I think there are some parts... It's a comic book movie, so a lot of, some of it just flat out doesn't make sense. Yeah, I like the performances. I like the chemistry the characters have. I really liked King Shark. I even like Polka Dot Man. I thought that it's like, wow, you took literally, as you said, one of the dumbest super villains ever, and you kind of made him interesting, or at least vaguely sympathetic. Uh, and uh, John Cena does surprisingly well. And I really like Margaret. I, I know you don't like Harley Quinn. I like the character. I like the arc she's taken. Uh, through several of the movies, and I really like the way Margot Robbie per- plays her. Mm. You you had you had not seen either of the Suicide Squad movies, right? No, I yeah. had not. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time for any of it. And what yes. did you think? I'm not a fan at all. Uh. Um, for one thing, it feels very much like Guardians of the Galaxy. Very much like Guardians of the Galaxy. In fact, we start with Yondu, and it's like... Uh, Really? Mm. Okay, because I said I didn't realize it was James Gunn. And there was somebody else in here. I think you said it was uh, yeah, Plus Mantis. She yeah, in well, she's um, in a cameo, yeah. Yeah, but it's still, it's just like, this feels a lot... This is, they're trying to do their own Guardians of the Galaxy. And it turns out they are. The problem is, all of the characters are mass murderers. I have no sympathy for any of them. And mm. none of them seem to be particularly, up. you know... Uh, uh, what's the word I want? Remorseful? Um, remorseful about any of the things they've done in the past and some of the characters continue to do during the film king shark a character that i kind of liked eats people yeah he eats people on screen now you could say well he's only eating the villains that's not how he starts out he starts out trying to eat rat catcher too who tell you could say she's a villain in some at least she just seems to be a petty thief like she doesn't seem to be like causing anybody anything other than some um monetary distress possibly rabies yeah, but Peacemaker, no sympathy for him at all. He's horrible, yeah. and he's yeah. meant to be. He's played well, but this is a case where you wonder, it's like, well, when is a protagonist not a hero? But you have the, yeah, it's the idea of the anti-hero. That's what these guys are. They're not heroes. They're anti-heroes. Uh, but they, they I don't... 
I just can't, like, this is, I, my big question is, who's this movie for? It's not for kids. It can't be. No, it's, a hard, it's an R-rated movie. But that doesn't matter. They're doing superheroes, which, for better or for worse, parents immediately assume is for kids. And to be fair, the comics they came from were meant for kids. All of these characters are villains, to some extent. Um, some of them are much worse than others. None of them are remorseful. And in the end of the day, I just was like, I can't like any of these people because they're horrible. All of them. They may have done something that ended up having a benefit for some people, although that could be argued for Cordo Maltese because um, it's been tromped upon by a giant starfish. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't want to like them because they're just horrible people. And what ends up happening is we get the unnecessary yet ubiquitous giant fist fight scene, which apparently we're going to have because we have to have it, that ends with an episode of CSI. Right? Because this is the part you're talking mm -hmm. about. It's like, I'm going to shove this thing yeah. into Colonel Flagg's heart and you're going along with the weapon. Because eh. We have scenes in here that I don't understand. Those fish things, that I figure what you called them. Mm, um, yeah, the Clyrax or something. Clyrax, yeah. Um... Why, why is that there? Why is that scene there? It has absolutely no bearing on anything. It, it's both cute it's, and disturbing. Okay, I guess. Why do we need this? There's all sorts of other things we need to worry about. I, um, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, the killing of the Freedom Fighters and the leader of the Freedom Fighters going, that's eh, fine. We forget about her for about 30 minutes. Like, she's going off to do her thing and we follow the Suicide Squad. And then I actually said, what did we happen to her? And then she finally shows up. Again. Oh, yeah, that's right. There she is. Eh. They make actually a point about that, about Milton the bus driver. <laughs> it's like, oh, Milton died. I liked him. Wait, I thought you were Milton. Yeah, Who's Milton? I don't know what I'm named Milton. I like that. I like the fact that Harley is absolutely convinced that Milton is Bloodsport's real name. Yeah, and there's some funny moments, but all in all, it's kind of a mess. Um, hmm. I don't... Yeah, I... I I don't think this is DC's answer to Guardians of the Galaxy as much as they might want it to be. I really question the mass murderers being our protagonists. Um, that's not the kind of movie I want to see. Uh, that's I don't want to glorify that kind of crap any more than they already do. So, but I, it's a I, very it's a very popular trope. We see the serial killer as good guy, the murderer who only kills bad people, all that stuff. Well, except these aren't that people. Yeah. They're killing everybody. Yeah. Um, that being said, we're ending uh, ending Viola Davis. I have to say thank you to our listeners who yes. suggested her. I have not paid any attention to her. And even in this, she's fantastic. She is. She's uh, honestly, Amanda Waller is probably the most interesting character. You kind of want to know more about her. That scene with her and Idris Elba. Yeah. Those two, if you put those two in more movies, I will go see them. Because yeah. the energy between those two they people. They had serious chemistry in such a ridiculous surrounding worked really well even that so thank you viola davis yep. uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know some of your work yep but um there's a poll question i would really like it if you would go over well just because you really want me to i'm not gonna <laughs> oh santa's oh, really enjoying this <laughs> you know you can be replaced that was my terrible johnny carson <laughs> oh <laughs> poll question yeah, yeah. Our poll question for this week is, what is your favorite cinematic car chase scene? And you can tell us this. 
by either emailing us at us at maxmikemovies.com or going to the website, also coincidentally called maxmikemovies.com. Comment. You can also find us on the socially mediated Elon Musk free social medias of Mm. Facebook or Twitter under Max Mike Movies. And you can, of course, listen to us on the podcast app of your choice. Turns out we're on Podchaser also and F- and uh, Heart FM or FM Heart or something. And hey, uh, speaking of Podchaser, we would like to thank that listener who gave us such a nice review. He said we were lovable. Thank you, P. Taff. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. That ends Viola Davis. Uh, focus I mean, on uh, our focus on yeah it does not end Viola. No, Davis. no, pl- this no Viola Davis will go on for many, many, many years. Hopefully, decades. Yes, and but. That is the end of this series, and mm. now we've got a new series. No, we so, don't. Mike? We don't have a series. Yes. Who told you that? We have a series, Mike, and you're going to tell me what it is. I can't. Tell no, me. You can't make me. You have to tell me. Conspiracy. <laughs> it's what? a conspiracy. Yep, we're doing conspiracy theory movies. And what theory? Movie? Excuse me, conspiracy theory. It's just a theory. And what are we starting with? Mike? Tinfoil hat, the motion picture. Ah, good. I'll have to I'll have to get one out of my collection. Well, it's actually thematically tied to this past movie we just watched because it's all about villains, enemies. Bad guys. Enemies of the state. Of the state of what? I don't know. <laughs> state of Grace? State Nevada? Of, uh, state of Illinois? Very, very small list. Enemies yeah. of the state of Nevada. No, uh, enemy of the state with um, a um, uh, slightly yeah, um, uh, potentially uh, problematic um, <laughs> who? Will Smith. Is it too soon? Yeah, no, no don't, be, don't be silly. <laughs> There's no reason to slap that around. Oh, crap! Oh, dear. No, <laughs> no, no. There will be no hitting next no, week on no Max Mike Movies, but we will discuss the hit that uh, is... Enemy of the state. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.